we're going to get into a few things um, that I believe um, the Lord needs us to know. And no more in a, in a I get it than a I get it. Like we need to get the revelation of it. We need to get the revelation of who Jesus says we are and who we are. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, all of us have gone through difficult times. Why? How do I know that? Man, Pastor Bill just, yeah, that's a word of nothing. We're human beings. <laughs> like, that's an easy guess. Um, but, you know, ha- have, have any of us had a boss that believed in us more than we believed in ourselves? Raise your hand. I do. I have that boss. And because I have that, I don't even like really like using that word. It's kind of actually kind of a gross word. But, but I have a pastor who believes in me. I'm going to share a few things with that, what that is like and, and what that means to me. What that kind of looks like is, is um, when pastor would ask me to do something and, and I'd be sitting there and be like, I can't do this. He obviously doesn't know me. I can't do this. How in the world does he think I can do this? He should ask somebody else. It took me some time to realize um, what was happening. He, one, oh my gosh, man, we have an awesome pastor. He, he, God gave me a pastor for me after his own heart for me. And all of us are in that same boat because we're here. And so it took me a little bit to realize that pastor was asking me to do things because he knows I can do it. And then that started getting a belief in me that, wait a minute, if pastor believes in me, I should believe in me. Because he doesn't just ask people to do things, <laughs> not typically, you know, unless he wants a hamburger, and then he'd be like, hey, inside joke. Um, because he's like, I'll have a question for you. I'm like, my answer is yes, you know that. He's like, I want a cheeseburger. <laughs> you should listen to the questions he asked before you just say yes. Um, but really what it is is he'll ask me to do something, and, and I've gotten to the point of knowing he's fighting for me. I never knew that before. I never knew that, that I had a pastor that was fighting for me. Pastor's fighting for us. Pastor's fighting for us. Some of us make it easier of a fight than others, you know, but he's fighting for us. That's an amazing heart. I want that heart. You know who else has that heart? God. God has that heart for us. See, when when sometimes I don't even know what's going on, he's fighting for me. And see, what that's gotten me to do is, is sometimes when, when the Life Bible College students or the young adults or people that go on mission trips with us, sometimes when they don't know what's going on, I'm fighting for them. See, I'm fighting for them. I learned that from who's fought for me. And you know what that creates? That creates a trust. It does, doesn't it? It, it creates a trust that I will, I will go to the ends of the earth for him. See, there's something that happens when we fight together. 
there's, there's, a, there's an interesting uh, dichotomy that happens, um, and, and I learned this from law enforcement. We have Dave, Tom, we have a couple officers here, but like there was, there was certain things, um, Sergeant Johnson's here somewhere, if I could find his beard, but he's here somewhere. Um, I had a complaint drawn up against me, totally bogus complaint, it was stupid. Thank God we had recorders and all that, right? And, and I'm talking to him, and I'm going to my first internal affairs meeting, interview. And I'm terrified. I mean, I was like sick to my stomach terrified. Don't know what to do, don't really know what entails, I'm pretty new, um, I've heard stories and gossips about the IA office. And Sergeant Johnson is, is meeting me car to car, and he's like, Thomas, you're gonna be fine, man. You're a good cop. You did everything right. I listened to the audio. I came to the on scene. You did everything right. You're gonna be just fine. That literally brought my blood pressure down, like back to normal. And I was like, he believes in me. That's all I needed to go into IA, sit down and be like, so gentlemen, let's talk about this. <laughs> I didn't care anymore. My supervisor, my direct supervisor believed in me. I said this Friday night, I didn't realize this. this Friday night to the young adults, I said, hey, it's, it's, a different than, it's different saying, if Pastor Doug was going through a hard time, it's different saying, dude, you got this, you can do this. That's okay, but it's different than if I said, dude, we got this. We've got this, PD, we can do this. See, that already tells him, he's like, I'm not alone, right? We're not alone, we're not alone. In 2 Kings chapter six, um, you, can, you can open there and go there if you'd like. Um, it's in verse uh, 17, and, and the story basically goes that uh, Elisha and his servant are surrounded, right? They're surrounded, and they're terrified. The, the servant's freaking out. He is really freaking out, right? Like, his heart rate's up. He doesn't know what's happening. And, uh, and, um, and so they're, they're surrounded, and the servant goes to Elisha, and he, he tries to get Elisha's heart rate up. It would look something like this. Pastor, you wouldn't believe what happened. Da, 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 da. And, and, and pastor's like, you ain't getting my heart rate up. We're good. Do this. And all of a sudden you're like, whoa. Yeah, it's really no big deal. Just gotta say this. That's awesome. So the servant goes to Elisha, and Elisha, Elisha prays and, and asks God, says, hey, God, open up my servant's eyes so he can see what's happening. And so his servant's eyes open, and he sees all around as though it was like the Boise Hills, kind of mountains. I'm from Oregon, so these are kind of mountains. And, and all over the top of him, you, he sees horses and chariots of fire. See, the, the, the servant thought he was alone. When he was surrounded by the army, he thought he was alone. But he went to Elisha, the prophet. See, Elisha knew something the servant didn't. See, you might be thinking you're alone in your troubles. You might be thinking you're alone in times of need. Um, stop looking at the mountains. See, the Bible doesn't tell us to look at mountains. The Bible says, seek the kingdom first. It says, seek the kingdom first. Doesn't say seek the mountains first. Doesn't say see the flesh first. Don't look at the armies. It doesn't say that. Look at me. Keep your eyes on me. He's the light that will light up our path, right? 
And so Elisha prays this and his eye, the servant's eyes get open. And all of a sudden, can you imagine what changed with the servant? Do you think he walked different, PD? He probably walked a little different where he walked down there. He's like, <laughs> so I think this army now has a little bit of a problem. Those dudes. And that army was probably sitting there going, what dudes? What's happening? Right? And then in verse 18, this was super cool. Elisha prayed, Elisha prayed that God would blind all of the army's eyes, that they'd become blinded. Well, yeah, all that stuff happened. Like how many people read the Old Testament? It's like that, those types of miracles happened everywhere. Yeah, but you need to get this. Because in, in verse 18, it said that God did it according to Elisha. I know PD got it. It says that God did it according to Elijah. Whoa, that means he listens to us, Taylor? No way. He list, God listened and honored Elisha's prayer. You know, you could take that statement, I didn't think about this, but there's another amazing, amazing scripture that talks about like what we should do, right? Like when Jesus said, hey, you should go do this, the Great Commission. And, and in, that, in that scripture, portion of scripture towards the end, it says Jesus is doing what with us? Co-laboring. So when he sends us out to do something or we're doing our life for him, do you realize that Jesus is co-laboring with you? You're not alone. Stop saying you're alone. Stop saying you're isolated or really get what you want. Get what you speak. Go ahead, say it. I was sitting down with somebody one time and they were like, I have this disease and I have this disease and I'm sick and I'm like, it sounds like you're good with it, man. You own that thing. I mean, you, you love it. It's almost a baby to you. And they looked at me and they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, it's yours. It's now, you own it. You should try to see what God says about it. That's demonic. That sickness is demonic. It's robbing and stealing from you and you've allowed it. You've like, come on in. I have a room for you. Make yourself comfy. I'll make appointments for you too. We'll go, we'll go talk to a doctor once a week. No. No, we have somebody fighting on our behalf. We have somebody with us. He's co-laboring with us. He is co-laboring with us. In, in John, there was a dude named Lazarus. You know, Mary and Martha kind of liked Lazarus, their brother. Jesus liked them too. They grew up together, probably playing kickball and, and other Jewish games. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know what games there were, like building blocks. I don't know. Jesus was a, a carpenter, so maybe they were making building blocks. I don't know. <laughs> but they were a little worried, like the, right? Do you remember the disciples being worried about Jesus? Like, hey, we should go. Lazarus is dead, like your friend. We should go now. We, like, hey, we should go. And Jesus, like, what was he kind of like? He was like, eh, I've got a few things to do. See, in the, in the visual perspective of our flesh, it looked as though Jesus wasn't fighting for Lazarus. It seemed as though, eh, it was done. But that's not the case. That's not the case. All this stuff was happening. You know why? Here's another, here's another reason. 
This is what I believe. We need to start having an eternity perspective. See, Jesus had an eternity perspective. Jesus got told information that one of his, one of his friends died. But Jesus had an eternity perspective. He says, no, I have this to do, and then I will go and raise him from the dead. Because he already saw. He had an eternity perspective. And then when he went there, he's like, God, we're going to show all these people who you are. We're going to glorify you, Lord. It wasn't about Jesus. See, we should be glorifying God in all things. He should be glorified in our lives. Man, it doesn't seem like you ever, it seems like things come at you, like there's curveballs thrown at you, but it always seems like you kind of come out smelling rosy clean. I'm like, God is so good. we've We've been told that. Her parents have actually said that to us. When I left my job, and I was terrified of telling my wife's parents that I left my job, accountant for uh, the government and retired uh, officer and SWAT cop and Vietnam vet, the guy's amazing. And I'm like, I don't want to tell her parents. Oh my gosh, I don't want to tell her parents. This is going to be brutal. Like he's going to be like, I told you, Nancy, we shouldn't have let her marry him. (laughs) That's all that I could think of. You know, I'm like, hey, by the way, I just left an amazing job and an amazing career, 16 years left, 15 years left, and yeah, I left it. What are you going to do? I don't have any plans except just probably going to do what God tells us to do. I don't know. You have a job? (laughs) Nope. No, uh uh-uh. Terrified. We sat at that, that table in our house for a little while before I got up enough courage. And you know what? You know what they said? They're like, well, about time. And I thought, man, oh man, they really believed in me. And he said this, he said, we were just talking to Don, a, a family friend. And he was saying, hey, wasn't, wasn't, pa- wasn't Bill supposed to be a pastor? When, he's gonna be, when is he gonna be a pastor? He said, we just had that conversation last week about you. He goes, we're, we're excited, man. We've been waiting for this. And I'm like, you have? And he goes, yeah, are you worried? I'm like, well, I ain't got no job. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm a little worried, Miss Amy, that my wife, like, in my mind, my wife should have been able to quit first. In my fleshly plan, let my wife quit first, let me keep working, pull in a cool retirement, and then I can just travel the world and do whatever God has me to do, work at the church, and they don't even have to pay me. I'm retired. Like, that's how my fleshly mind thought about it. And then they said, you're gonna be fine. You guys are always fine. You're always fine. God's, gonna, God's got you. They knew he was fighting on my behalf. I didn't at that time. I was like a little worried. It took them to tell me and remind me. It took them. What are people around you telling you? That you can't do it or you can do it? Wait, I'm, just, I'm just saying, like, do you, guys, do you guys know that, like, as believers, we're supposed to, like, exhort and edify one another? Do you know that? Not kill each other. Help one another. Come on, man. I think God's pretty smart. I think he's got it kind of figured out if we would, if we would read the roadmap. If we would read the roadmap, your life would be easier. And so would mine. Read it. 
ingest it, digest it, and then don't just say like, I get it. No, do it. My life has become a hundred million times easier because I do that. Hey, Pastor Bill, what do you do? I don't know. I just do that. Do you, Pastor Doug and I talk about it all the time. I don't always understand exactly everything. I just do. And then I'll have him explain it or Pastor, Pastor Wade explain it or Pastor Mark explain it. I'll be like, hey, I don't really understand the scripture. Explain it to me. Well, what do you mean? Well, I don't know. Peter's shadow healed the sick when he walked by, so mine's gonna, it's all over Pastor Doug right now. Yeah, yeah, and so, and so, and so, he's fighting on our behalf. You're not alone. You are so not alone. And here's a great example of fighting on our behalf. There was this guy. He was kind of an all right guy. Um, the Bible talks about him, and, and, and he's good. But people thought he was a criminal. He died on the cross. His name was Jesus. Yeah, he was kind of an all right guy. He was awesome. And he was rad. He's kind of a sandy dude. And, and the reason I say this is because I don't think any of us, man, I hate saying this, but I don't want to die on a cross. That's just a, that's just a brutal death. That's just a brutal death. I'd rather get shot or stabbed. <laughs> There's Sergeant Johnson. Agreed? It's probably because we've come to grips with that. Yeah. yeah, we came to grips with a long time ago that we may get shot or stabbed and we just kind of, okay, that's probably, it's gonna hurt. It's gonna burn really bad. But I'd rather die that way than a crucifixion. But Jesus died a crucifixion. And, and there were things being said like, wait a minute, where, where's he going? Where's the kingdom being set up? I don't think they had the eternity perspective. I don't think they caught on all the way to the things that Jesus was teaching them. You know, wow, we're gonna circle all the way back to the beginning. I wonder if they didn't have the full kingdom perspective, the eternity perspective, because Jesus couldn't really tell them more because they couldn't actually get more with where their pastor wanted to take them before he left. I wonder what would happen more if they would have prayed and not slept. Now I know I'm getting in some people's business because we're talking about sleep. Sleep and money is people's business. But Jesus went, he died on a cross, he left. And from all fleshly perspective, it looked as though they were done. What do we do? Where do we go? They were given direction where to go, and, and so they went. And then Jesus conquered death. When all else looked as though it was done, no, Jesus and God were fighting our battle. He was making sure I had a savior. He was making sure you had a savior. God, I tell you what, Jesus wasn't done fighting. He wasn't done fighting. He was, he was fighting to make sure you had a savior. He was fighting to make sure your cancer left. He was fighting to make sure that like your stomach sickness and illness was gone. He was fighting for you when it looked as though he was buried in a grave. He was fighting for us. Yeah. 
When by here, right here, it was like, oh no, what do we do? We're just gonna go and kind of sit for a few days? No, 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 he was fighting for you. Well, I have money problems. No, 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 shush. No, 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 you don't have money problems, you have prayer problems. Do you hear what I'm saying? You don't have money problems. You have a lack of prayer problems. And that, like, oh, no, I'm praying about it, Pastor Bill. Really? No, you're American praying about it. You're American praying. And what that looks like is this. Lord, man, I got bills to pay, Jesus. You know, you said, you said believe in prosperity and abundance. I need abundance. I got lack right now. Like, I know I ran up the credit cards and I did this and I shouldn't have done this. I overspent. I was trying to live this lifestyle. I was trying to portray this and portray this. But God, you said if I tithe, I get 10% back. I'm waiting for my ATM machine. Where's my 100,000? I expect it. Thank you. Amen. That's an American prayer. That, that, sorry if that gets in your business a little bit. But, you know, hmm. See, I've learned a lot from being in Africa and, and Pastor Joseph praying. I've learned a lot from Pastor Mark. I've learned a lot from hearing other men of God. I was gonna say other men of God that are older men of God. Pastor Mark's not the older men of God I'm referencing at all. <laughs> I'm talking about like, just making that clear. I'm talking about like, you know, Smith Wigglesworth, John G. Lake, Norval Hayes, Brother Hagen. You know, I, 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 hear, I, hear, I hear sermons of there and read stories of them that they wouldn't stop praying until they had victory. They wouldn't stop until they got a giggle. They wouldn't stop until they were healed. There was a, there was a sermon that Brother Hagen and another man of God, they were, they were somewhere preaching and uh, somebody, somebody got a heart attack. They got a phone call while they were having, having uh, some lunch, I think it was. They went into prayer. They stopped eating, another un-American thing. <laughs> but they stopped eating, and they didn't stop praying until they had victory. They had victory in the spirit, and then they ended up getting a phone call. He's fine. He's good. See, that's different than like the drive through Lord, I, I really need this money. I got myself in a pickle. I need you to bail me out, send money, speak to some labor and have them come in my path with 10 grand. Amen. Again, the men of, the men of old, man, they don't get up till they got victory. They don't get, they don't leave. And, it, and, and just so you know, so I can balance this back out so people don't be like, hey boss, I can't come in today. Pastor said I can't leave until I got victory and I'm needing a day off. <laughs> this is what that looks like. Pray. Here's kind of a, a, you know, what you're praying about. And it's time to get up and go to work. It looks like this. Lord, I, I am coming back to finish this prayer about this topic and this backpack that, that this issue's in. I'm gonna take it off. I'm leaving it right here. And I'm gonna go to work because I'm gonna honor my boss. I'm gonna to go to work because God, you got me this job. I'm gonna to go to work because I need this paycheck to help my circumstance. I'm gonna set this right here, and when I come back home, I'm picking it back up, and we're gonna finish praying. Because he wants to fight with us. 
He, he wants to do the same thing with, with you as he did with Elijah, where it says that he was according to Elijah's prayer, according to your prayer, but are you praying long enough? And not that it means a link time. It's just like, don't do the, the drive-through. Don't do the ATM prayer. Pray till you got victory. Pray till you got victory. There, there, man, he, Jesus was fighting for us on that cross, at that death, in that grave. He was fighting for us. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have, I don't know where a microphone is. Um, I need to have um, Pastor Wade, if you can come up real quick. Let me grab a, you want, you want orange or yellow? All right, yellow belly. <laughs> yeah, yellow belly. I gotta speak Texan while he's here. Thank you, brother. That's kind of an Elvis, not really a Texan. Elvis, thank you, brotherhood. Thank you, thank you very much. What we're gonna do right now, he is a, uh, we're gonna, I have fun doing Elvis, I gotta stop. Um, Pastor Wade went to Africa with us uh, our first trip, and he experienced, I don't know if he realizes this yet until I'm telling him, so hopefully it will help him. But I don't, I don't know if he realized that what his Africa trip was about was when it seemed horrible and it was horrible, funny, hilarious for me. Um, not hilarious at the time, hilarious in the rearview mirror. Yeah. Jesus was fighting for him when it wasn't being seen. When all around Pastor Wade in this African hotel room was looking like it was a death room instead of a hotel room, Jesus was fighting for him. So Pastor Wade, if you can share that. Thank you, Pastor Bill. It was a death room at the time. <laughs> um, before I start, let me, let me say this. Recognize God fighting for you through your leaders. Pastor Bill used an awesome example. Pastor Mark is fighting for us. But it's not only Pastor Mark, it's God through Pastor Mark fighting for us. That's the vessel that's being used to fight for us. And we recognize that. And you were my vessel in that Africa room in 2016. I went to Africa. I knew I was supposed to go. Um... Didn't even have to pray about finances because it all showed up, and plus some. Um, it was a God. It was a God meeting for me in Uganda, and and He was fighting for me the entire way from our first prayer meeting. We pray for months before we leave this this soil, and when I got there, everything was fine. So I thought. Um. But God was fighting for me to set me free from things that I was holding on to for years that I didn't even know I was holding on to it. Things that probably, hmm. things that probably would have destroyed my kids. I'm not a perfect father, but I'm a better dad, I'm a better husband for what happened by him fighting for me. I woke up um, one, the first morning in country 
when I was in bad shape, I gave this sermon in LBC. Um, I mean, I mean bad shape. I'm not even going to explain to you what bad shape means, but it was a, it was a, a stomach issue, and it wasn't coming out my mouth. <laughs> Does that does that help paint a picture? <laughs> not not that far. No back. <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah. Not fun. And I'm not talking about just a little upset stomach. This was full on demonic. Um. I, I I'm gonna stop. And. And God was fighting for me, but my pride kept me in my place of bondage because I got this. And it got to a point where I called Jillian one night, and I said, I can't do this no more. I got to go home. I can't be here. And I just got to country, and we had 16 more days to go. It was a long trip. And I called her one night, and I said, I, I can't. And, um, and I kind of told her what was going on. It was fear that I had never experienced. But the fear was trying to fight harder for me than, than what I was seeing, how hard the Lord's, I'm trying to make sense of this. The Lord was fighting harder for me than the fear was fighting for me. But I couldn't see it at the time because all I could see was fear. I've experienced Jillian laying on an operating table operating table dying after our first child literally she was dying the fear that I was going through with that um, couldn't hold a candle to what I was feeling in my hotel room it's fear it's like a I don't even I, I don't even know it was it was pretty bad so I finally obey and I go get help at 2 a.m., knock on the door. No one answers because they're sleeping, right? And my knock is not a, an authoritative knock. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just being obedient to the Lord. The Lord said, go knock and get, go get Pastor Bill. Uh, I'm not. We went back and forth for about an hour. I finally said, okay, I will. But my knock was this. <laughs> and I said, okay, they're not answering. And I... <laughs> And I turned around to go back to my room, and he says, nope, knock again. I said, oh. That ain't answering, Lord. So third time, something about three. The third time, the third day, um, I knock, and Miss Jen opens the curtain, and she goes, hey, Wade's outside. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> anyway. Let me, this is a long story. Let me get to the hotel room. He goes to my room with me. I sit down and say, brother, I need prayer. My stomach is a mess. I want to, I, I, I can't do this. I want to go home. I'm ready to get on an airplane and go. I was about to miss my opportunity of freedom that the Lord is fighting for me to receive. We sit down and pray. I was expecting him to pray for my stomach. We didn't even pray for my stomach. Because the Lord is fighting for me. The Lord knew what I needed. 
not my stomach. He shows Pastor Bill a word of knowledge. And it comes back to the simple point of this. The Lord is fighting for me as a simple thing of forgiving, of forgiving my dad when I was a little boy. And because of what I was holding on to, that brought freedom to me through Pastor Bill. Now I don't have to treat my kids that way. He, he set me free from this root of unforgiveness that I didn't even know I had. See, here's a word for you. Ignoring it is not forgiving it. If you're ignoring a situation that's happened to you, that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness comes from a place of love, not ignoring it and pretend it didn't happen. That's what I did. Lord, I forgive them. Amen. But when I would go to their house, I'd rather not be at their house. You know what I mean? Just rather not be around. But the Lord was fighting for me to set me free, for he, he, he knows what, I was, what I'm called, and at the time what I was called to do. And he had to get me free from that so I can do what he's called me to do. But if I hadn't have been in my place of there and obeyed the first step just to go there, why did I have to go 10,000 miles away to get my freedom? I don't know. But that was my place of there. That was my place of victory. That was my place where he was fighting with me at. That was my fire, if you will, of the three Hebrew boys. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Their place, of pro- <laughs> their place of promotion was in the fire. If they hadn't have went in the fire, they wouldn't have been promoted. He was fighting for them to get promoted, and they had to go through the fire to get promoted. I'm preaching. I'm sorry, brother. You... <laughs> well, get up here. <laughs> When you have good people around you that you trust, not just people that say they love you, but people that actually love you, and they're trying to get you to a better place, know that's the Lord fighting for you through them. The Lord is fighting for us through our pastors. And Unforgiveness will keep you from going places. You can be called and anointed. It's there. But I don't want to keep looking over here. But if you are are carrying this baggage of unforgiveness that you've been hiding as ignoring it, can I encourage you, like, tonight, I'm going to say leave it right here. Bring, bring that unforgiveness and let the Lord fight for you and get you free from that unforgiveness that you've been carrying around for many years. 
so he can promote you? So you can walk in your call. Yeah, I'm called. I'm called to the nations. I'm called to do, to do this. I'm called to do that. I'm called to preach. Praise the Lord. Let's take care of this. So he can get you there. He fought for us a lot that year. He fought for us in Kenya. When we left Uganda, he kept us alive. And we know that. I'm not joking. You ever seen the movie Taken? <laughs> I hope you hadn't. If you hadn't, don't watch it. But if you have, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that, that, was, uh, that was us. <laughs> but the Lord was fighting for us. He kept us. And again, you fought for me again in Kenya. The Lord fought for me again in Kenya through Pastor Bill. We were on a stage. Can I tell this story? We were on a stage, pitch black at night. It's dark. We have a, I'm going to call it about a 40-watt bulb. <laughs> they said it was 60. I don't think it's bright as 60. I mean, it may have been 20. It was, <laughs> it was hanging on a cord, like right here. That's the only light we had. Our security guard was demon-possessed. That's no joke. And, I, and I'm wigging out. Like, this is not cool. Like, this is not a good situation to be in right now. And I turned and told Pastor Bill, I said, I'm going back to the van. And he so ever kindly told me, <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> He was fighting for me to stay right here and experience victory by praying in the Spirit. He said, no, no, no. You get back right here and you pray in the Spirit and watch victory happen. Yes, sir. And I did and we did. We had people saved, healed. The security guard was delivered. Hey, people... Our, man, God is so good and gracious. He's fighting for us a lot. And he's fighting for those right now that are carrying around unforgiveness as I was. And you may, have, may think you have, but things, some, some things may just not be working in your life. There's this thing called there is a root of the problem. That may be the root of the issue for you. You know, um, It's, sometimes it's speechless. See, God was fighting for you ever since Pastor Mark said yesterday, you lead the service. And, and we all kind of laughed and we're driving home, Pastor Wade goes, did you know, did you have any inkling? I'm like, no, mm-mm. I mean, I, no. You know what you're gonna preach on? Mm-mm. Don't have a clue, nothing. No leading, nothing, mm-mm. And God was fighting for you to get through this to this, going, oh man, they need to know he's always fighting for us. We're always victorious. We're at, 
you are, you got to get this out of your head and into the spirit, man, to where it becomes so concrete you can't fail. It becomes like, it becomes, you become like a wrecking ball of faith. You become a wrecking ball of faith when you know that you sit with Jesus. Like, no, dude, seriously, Jesus is like right here, bro. Dude, no, he's here. Yep. <laughs> he's on our side, man. See, your, your prayers start becoming a lot more powerful and effective when you realize you're just going, Jesus, and God's right on the other side of him. And you're like, Jesus, man, we want a million souls saved. We want, we want a nationwide revival. God, call the masses to, to, to Boise, Idaho, so that pastors of churches can get, can get refreshed and fired up and prayed for and sent back to their churches so that their flock can get prayed for and fed into and refreshed by the fire of God. Jesus, that's what we're talking about. That's different than... Jesus, man, we really want a revival. I wish we had a revival. Why are you looking up? We should be looking to the left. Talk to him. He's to the left. Jesus, to the left. Maybe I've read that scripture more than others. I don't know. Maybe it's a little more real to the left than to the up. I know why we look to the up. I get it. But I'm trying to, I'm trying to get a point across. No, look to the left. See, it's like, it's like any military or paramilitary organization. Um, there's something about, I will die to the man, for the man or woman to the right of me or to the man or the woman to the left of me. I'll die for you and I'll die for you. There's something about, we're right here. We're together in this. See, Jesus is right here to my left, fighting for me, with me, for victory. Already won. We gotta keep speaking the victory. We gotta keep speaking that victory.